0: It's, it's an ecstatic journey that's always giving, always flowing. Um, so that's how nature, for me, from day one, when I opened my eyes, I embraced the sunshine, the water, the fire, and the earth, and the ground I stood on, and will always be thankful and always be wanting to give back to that creative force that gives life to each one of us.
1: Okay, life can be crazy, you're feeling like you're sinking, just trying to find a meaning, it's time for better thinking, yeah, better thinking, time to tune in, let's go. Welcome back to Better Thinking, I'm Mesh Nikolic and today's guest is Steve Selesi. He is a psychologist and has an incredible passion uh, of using nature as a therapeutic aid, this is an absolutely fascinating conversation I've had with Steve. There's so many topics that we've covered, but something that ooze, oozes out is uh, really Steve's nature himself uh, rather than nature as that organic thing that we all live in. Um, looking at Steve and chatting with Steve and, and, and discussing you know, concepts around nature with Steve, just it oozes. Uh, who he is, the in true embodiment of, of, of nature itself. Um, topics that we cover is outdoor learnings, you know, uh, what happens when we lose a deep sense of connectedness or, or a deeper belonging, spirituality, uh, respecting nature, you know, having a relationship with nature, uh, the power of nature, what it can go out and teach us or, or invite us to learn, um, using symbolism, uh, for ourselves in, in, in therapy uh, and and much 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 more uh, one of my favorite ever uh, podcasts um, I, I sort of felt fairly emotional toward towards the end um, and I'm sure you will as well you know, Steve is, is just the guy who, who oozes you know a calmness a, a, a stillness you know a place of, of um, uh, mindfulness and, 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 and groundedness so you know, without further ado uh, you know, here is Steve Selesi with, with his incredible insights. Enjoy. Hi, Steve. Thanks for uh, coming on board.
0: Thank you, Nish. I'm, I'm very happy to be on board and thanks for this opportunity.
1: You know what? This is something that I've uh, really wanted to to talk about because I have a bit of a passion in in, in the outdoors myself, um, and who better to talk to on the podcast than yourself? You know, someone who you know has that psychology background and and is able to put two worlds together the the outdoors and and, and psychology. So um, it's something that I thought is uh, one of my passions and and. I think it's got great applications, probably one of the reasons why I love going, you know, camping so much. So um, maybe we can just start from, from, from that space, um, you know, what, what, what is it that you do in terms of bringing the outdoors, you know, outdoor education or, you know, from that therapeutic uh, concept as well, being a psychologist, how do you blend those two worlds together? Um, and, then, and then maybe I also can ask you, how did you get into this space? Because it's quite unique.
0: Yeah, well, um, in true nature of, of how I've um, always perceived the healing powers of nature, it was a, a natural progression. And uh, I guess my, my core therapy over many decades has been working with adolescents and, and troubled youth. And anybody that works with young people is often fine, that within the confines of the normal therapy room, there's a certain resistance and agitation by teenagers in terms of comfort. So one has to be very skilled um, with teenagers to bring out true healing. And it wasn't long before I realized um, in the freedom of working mainly in, in, in schools that taking them for a walk outside the room seemed to yield comfort but also better results for both parties, myself included. Um, so I guess um, we're going back, Nish, maybe uh, three decades um, to where I started um, thinking about using nature in my therapy. Um, it was a natural progression from, from my, my own days as a kid when I'm feeling you know, mentally disturbed or stressed. I would just naturally walk out the door of the house and and smell the roses and look at the dust and look at the trees and and, and feel so much better. So like that, those seeds were planted. So fast forward in, into my role as a therapist from day one, I always made sure I, I had a, a, a therapist chair looking out of the window or has some indoor plants. And it seemed to me to make such a big difference in terms of my presence in the room. So the uh, the use of nature was always there in my background as a psychologist, therapist, and healer, and even as a parent. So as I evolved and matured as a therapist, and um, a large part of my work was, uh, Nash was visiting schools um, across greater Sydney. And most of the schools didn't have set therapeutic rooms because I was a, a visiting specialised psychologist. And we naturally go for walks in the playground around the school in the mini forests of the gardens. And I started feeling that the rapport was was, was maintained very quickly and and, and deeply with the, with the young people. Um, and I started thinking very, very clearly about how to translate and create intentional nature-based therapy interventions using ACT, positive psychology um, and solutions focused narrative nervous therapy. The more third wave therapies seemed seemed natural to be on, like walking mindfully and, and being in, in, a, in a natural setting. And where it really evolved Nash was when I started having opportunities to work in, um, in, in schools that had outdoor education. Um, I befriended many of the outdoor education uh, teachers and, and heads of department, and allowed me to go with, the, with young people on excursions to mountains and the beautiful ranges. That, um, I've been to uh, Everest with some young men. I've been to Cradle Mountain, um, and, and those settings have been fantastic therapeutic settings for so far. So in a long-winded way, um, I have embraced um, in my work with adolescents, particularly in a school environment, the, the, the ma- ma- massive power of um, outdoor talking. Um, I'm not not necessarily happy with the word education because it's not really education; it's it's outdoor healing. Um, so there, the, the, that's been very much part of my life um, integrating the therapeutic skills of of a therapist with the natural um, feedback we get when, when walking and talking and sitting and being silent in nature.
1: Why do you prefer the word learning?
0: Learning is a feedback process that also involves growth and moving from a space of new perceptions and new feelings. So I like the, the word and lean towards learning more than. Education is a good word, but we've forgotten the roots are to bring out potential in the best. So our education, sometimes if you walk into um, institutions, it's still got the notion of organization, goal setting, a more left brain, sequential response. And those that work in nature, work around complexity, spontaneity and surprise so I'm in all about reinvigorating these notions going back to again my my beautiful childhood in Africa where I lived in the forests and in the mountains on a daily basis of awe and wonder and surprise you know those forgotten values that need to enchant life again particularly when at times that we feel disenfranchised and, and disconnected
1: and Steve, what, what do you think it is about the outdoors that uh, uh, allows us to, 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 to learn differently? I mean, you, you mentioned that as a, uh, you know, early in your life and, and, and as a human being, there were times where uh, if life was tough, you would go outside and, and I think use the word smell the roses and, and you know, notice the dust and, and, and the like. Why the outdoors? What, what what is it about the outdoors?
0: The outdoors is there unconditionally to receive you. And I I would have learned from a very, very young age the the beauty and tranquility of allowing myself to be embraced by its total receptivity of giving and in and, and a simple beauty. So, so harking back to those wonderful memories in South Africa where my dad gave us opportunities to, to go to the game reserves and, and climb the mountains, we would have so many memorable moments of sharing the joys and landscapes and the wonder. And I think, uh, Nash, the, the, the outdoors and nature gives us a sense of perspective about how our life is in terms of just our own personal space, but the bigger space. We we tend to get a bigger perspective and connection of life when we're sitting in the outdoors, exuding the beautiful smells, tastes, and sights of nature. And I think nature was always there before us um, and gives us a sense of ancestral history and lineage. And there's an Indigenous component to my work that's that's really the bedrock, a kind of medicine wheel approach where you're looking at all the directions and, and taking in multiple directions. So whether one is swimming in a in a sea or, or, or standing on a mountain, one is aware that there's many spaces below, above, and to the sides and behind and in front, where we can see things differently and get feedback. So nature for me is embedded in the way i walk and talk and what nature gives back is an understanding coming back to my first observation um unconditional connection and there is a creationist approach that nature gives us that that when one looks deeply into a tree or an animal or a pet or a plant or or a stone and a sacred site that that the patterns are very much the same that we have in our lives so we mirror in you in, in, in a micro in a, in, a, in, a, in a micro perspective way what's happening in the big and and, and like one of the most amazing things nesh is um, is um, lying down on the ground and, and looking at the sky and seeing the stars and being grounded nature gives and energizes one and just one small story is um i remember um Going to Mount Kosciuszko with with a bunch of twelve year, um, your ten boys and and hiking and, and it was just myself, and a, and, a, and a lovely young um, ski instructor from Kosciuszko uh, lady, um, that um, we were toughing it out, walking 10, 15 k's a day and the and the boys were were all like big rugby like rugby blokes and and, and tired, and spontaneously at night when the sun went down and the stars came out. Which the, which the Sydney boys thought was awesome. They never really saw so many stars. She started reading Dr. Zeus' books. And I just looked around and I saw the 16, 17 year old boys lapping up the stories of nature, looking at the skies with this 21 year old skin girl, um, and how comforted and nurtured they felt. And I thought, wow, the blessings and power of nature. And every single night after that, we were there for four or five nights. The boy said, ma'am, when can we listen to Dr. Zeus under the stars? And it, that, that's, for me, a very special healing moment that nature gives back to us endlessly and seamlessly. And, and it was all spontaneous and a surprise, but we were all open to those healing moments.
1: Do you mind sharing some of the uh, the, the learnings the experiences that you maybe had as a young man um, how how nature I suppose uh, uh, impressed itself in, in on you um, on, a, on a personal level what was that thing that kind of you connected with so early
0: I think nature um, particularly coming from um, South Africa um, in the sixties and seventies I suppose let me not give my age away too much in terms of like when I was a teenager but um, in, the, in, in the early 60s, um, we had access to, to lots of beautiful um, reserves and bushland around our home. Um, and being in Africa, it was quite a violent, disturbed society at the time, in the full swing of apartheid um, and, and mayhem. And nature was the one space where I, as a white man, connected with my fellow African workers, um, having some, some of the background is my dad was a mining engineer, so I, I'd been on many different mines. And um, my role of humanity would come out joining these African men on, on walks towards their mine shifts, And um, some of them would even hold my hand as a white boy. And um, we'd sing and dance. And um, this was very foreign to a lot of my white friends, the, the joining of... Different races um, in in, in, the, in that society, but I would look at the um, the Africans in their eyes, and there's a saying um Nish, that that, that um, is always close to my called Ubuntu, and um, Mandela would, would have used it, is to say I see the humanity in you, disregarding your skin. Um, so from that early age, um, um, I, it was planted in me that there is a common humanity that that nature and the outdoors gifts to you. I could not wait to meet these African workers on the on the end of the shift because one other thing we had in common was a round little ball called football or soccer. And my dad was an Italian football player that gave us um, lots of practice time in the backyard to, to, to hone our skills. And I did impress the African workers on the way back with my footwork and dribbling skills. And um, they would bet... Um, uh, little pieces of money on on me that I'll be able to score more goals and kind of things. So, so nature was an avenue of, of joy, belonging and excitement, and that one part of me in a in a in a kind of war torn, troubled society, that gave me a sense of confidence in our raw humanity, and it was a gift, um, a spiritual gift. So, so a lot of my 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 experiences have been very spiritual and deep in nature. And I was aware that I allowed this to transpire in my life because I had the sense of wonder and curiosity and, and awe and openness to the moment. Hence my passion and calling at an early age to help um, and mediate in a society and, and become a psychologist to try and heal. and And, and then back then, or my, one of my mentors was Bishop, Archbishop um, Tutu, Desmond Tutu, his writings and, um, and 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 work, and and even Mandela himself. So so nature um, was was very much part of my, my 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 background in in terms of my dad being a mountaineer and a geologist, and going out and and not just walking through nature, but stopping, listening, analysing receiving and take, so we'd come home from these walks niche and, um, and bring home lots and lots of dirty, so-called dirty rock and twigs. And my dad would say, because um, my dad was a mining engineer from gold mining and, so, and, and diamond mining and say, so, look, from underneath the ground, there's dirty coal and dirty rock, but let me show you one thing. Look at the gold and look at the diamonds that come out under pressure. Nature teaches us that with pressure and with the right environment and caring, it comes out gold. So so nature's taught me this kind of alchemical process of, of taking from the ground the dirt and every single thing in nature is precious, the compost, the little bugs. So... I was always prone to lie on the grass and check out the ants and find out where's the queen ant. And um, that curiosity has served me well in my therapeutic work where I look and mine for gold. Um, and hence, having founded positive psychology and ACT, thought about mining the good and finding the resources and bringing them in and, 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 and bringing out the brilliance and the spark. And, and nature every day talks to me about I see, your be- I see your best. I see your goodness. I see your potential. Let's work together. We're all in it. It's a beautiful world. Let's share it. So, so it's for me. It's it's, it's an ecstatic journey. It's always giving. Always flowing. Um, so, that's how nature for me, from day one, when I opened my eyes. I embrace the sunshine, the water, the fire and the earth and the ground I stood on and will always be thankful and always be wanting to give back to that creative force that gives life to each one of us.
1: Steve, you use the word spirituality uh, and even the way that you speak, the language that you use is uh, very much around connectedness. Um, and, and And being present with and and, and appreciating different perspectives, you know I, I think you also mentioned about you know noticing the the uh, the space above you and and to the side of you and below you. Uh, can you talk about this 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 uh, space that you're talking? about, you know, using that language of, you know, spirituality or connectedness. Can you, can you give us a little bit of insight as to how, the, how all those worlds sort of uh, connect? Because, you know, as a psychologist, we, 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 we tend to steer away from that space, uh, yet it, it, it so much oozes out of the way that you um, speak about the world, uh, um, and, and, and nature itself. Can you maybe just try and um, talk that through a little bit? The, um,
0: the, the, the notion of spirituality is, is, for me, an increasingly encouraging, um, more used in, in, the, in the workplace and in therapy, that, that the word spirit is basically our essence and true nature. And, and, and I feel like as we've evolved this so-called very clever and sophisticated Westerners and, and possibly some Easterners, so we shouldn't really try and, 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 and fragment this, uh, that we've, we've forgotten this notion of, of deep connectedness. And and again, um, I think one of our core difficulties in, in living, not just therapy, is is at, once, at one point in time, we were all connected deeply in the so-called beautiful Garden of Eden. And for me, it's always very close to my presence, and visual kind of imagination, the beautiful times that I've experienced, um, the Garden of Eden, and and, and all all great religions and spiritualities of the world. So, so I'm, I'm 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 quite intentionally using the notion of spirituality divorced from say church-like or cathedral-type religion. Um, everybody understands that at, at essence we are connected by Spirit and belong in one big world. And there was a time, perhaps even in our early childhood, when we were in the womb of our nurturing mother, that we fully experienced, maybe unconsciously, this Edenic paradise. And we've always been wanting to recapture this enchanted ecstatic rapture of actually fully belonging, not only to ourselves in our our disassociated parts, but our environment And we always try and play catch-up and clever games and and, and this is again when the only the 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 mind approach that's creeped into our Western civilization of rationalizing, analyzing, fragmenting, um, to see like where we can divorce the problem from the situation. It's caused us all sorts of problem. So the notion of spirituality is basically a key component to healing. So Early in the day, coming back to my childhood experiences, I would befriend Sangomas and medicine men, and you mentioned the medicine wheel as part of the spiritual approach. I was in touch with wise men, elders of mining communities who would use the bones um, as a simple way to help heal and find wisdom amidst crisis. And I I looked into the eyes of these sangomas and medicine men, and mostly women, actually, that had these powers. They were African shamans. They taught me as a young white boy that spirit is, in essence, the first teaching of the world. And if we look to the four elements of nature that are in front of us, free, sunshine, air, water, and ground, of food and natural food. That's all we need for true healing. So whether we go to these fancy universities and their doctorate titles and learn specific interventions, it's good to have those to satisfy one part of our clientele's need. But we do need more in our toolbox and within our souls, those natural those natural um, powers of sunshine, exercise, outdoors and appreciation. And, it, and for me, it's always being a, a curiosity that when somebody comes to see a psychologist, that the expectation is that you, know, you have a very smart degree and you know a lot about theory. When in essence, your true healing as a therapist is how you blend in with nature and give away these elements of nature free. And I often just prescribe nothing more simpler than sunshine, mindful walking, pure water, and touching the earth to cure all illnesses, whether it's mental or spiritual. And it is in nature that one experiences this pure divinity and connectedness and oneness with life. if we can model that, um, albeit in the therapy room, our joy and rapture for life, because we are healthy, we do live naturally, we do respect the environment, we, we, we can compound and, 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 and add to that beauty by, by taking our, 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 our clients um, and young people and old people that are in distress for a walk. In nature, and they can embody and experience with every single step and breath the natural healing powers, and and become enchanted again with life. So the spirituality is not a part; it is the key component for me. Um, and I'm 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 encouraged, Nash, that that there was a point in, in, um, when talking spirituality and and spirit w- w- was quite offensive in therapeutic circles in one way. And, and that's gradually changed um, because if, if you look in the last few months at the global situation and more specifically in those of us and family and friends, they, they love walking in nature with their pets and the animals and going to the local park. Those are the healing spaces that people have now realized and taken for granted in our concrete world. Um, so I'm just I'm just there I'm just there about recapturing and redirecting uh, people to that to that early essence and recovering that. So the, the Garden of Eden, in Canberra or Sydney, it's in it's in the parkland just down the road where I bump into my neighbour with his dog and the little kids are playing with the frisbee and the trees are are waving to us and the birds are chirping. That's the new therapeutic playground that we need to push and encourage. Our, our people in towards, um, also as a communal um, responsibility, uh, healing. I think um, it's a wonderful time for people that are nature based to stand up and and say, look, our time is is, is yeah, nature's calling us, um, and we, we've given it a space to heal. Um, and I'm listening to the callings, and um, hence I'm sitting here talking with you. I'm being very excited about it.
1: Steve what what happens when people lose uh that sense of spirit that sense of connectedness uh or, or deeper connectedness um, with, with 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 the world with nature with others you know the sunshine the air the ground what 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 happens to people um you know uh, when 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 they disconnect or, or focus on other spaces and, and, and forget um, to to spend enough time, uh, you know, embracing and, and being with, um, you know, that that essence of 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 you know, the outdoors, nature, you know, nature as it is, that unconditional um, nurturing and inviting space.
0: There, there it would be a time in, in most people's lives, Nash, where um, one closes off for various reasons, um, not only to, to, to human connection, but to the outside world. And, 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 I, and I feel um, that there's, a, there's possibly, again, in, in, in terms of the principles of nature, there's cycles of, of planting and seeding and, and growing and nurturing. And, and harvesting and also rest. And those, f- for whatever reasons, that are, are, cl- are, are closing themselves off um, from the light of the outdoors, um, are re-arresting some form of, of rest and respite from a troubled world, and so be it. The very important element in, in, in a taking a nature-based accepting approach, and i also use that word, accepting intentionally because nature is unconditionally accepting it's a radical acceptance that the time will come when one needs to rest and be in the dark um and and allow for that space and i and i do know like your question was was a very important one and many of the the young people um that i've seen come in have closed themselves off from the world and physically do live in dark spaces and 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 see them the outside, uh, whether it be nature or whatever, as as, as, as as quite foreign to 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 the space they are in, and it's a gradual reencountering, um, and an understanding again of the deeper principles of nature that a lot of creativity takes place in the womb of darkness, that there's always a connection, and and there's that hope. And understanding that in darkness, the sun will come through the next day. And again, the positive psychology um, kind of experiences that I've had with staff taking kids. There's always been two or three kids that have found nature t- to be challenging, um, in terms of like both of their, 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 kind of their fragile nature and 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 and, and space they That that eventually. With walking together in the darkness, that that darkness is therapeutic because nature has got many sides that are invisible that are truly therapeutic. So, if you look at the wonderful tree, I'm, I'm just looking out the window now at this, um, there's an oak tree on that side, an oak tree on that side that, that are my two friends. And they've been there forever with their dropping their acorns, and their roots go very deeply into the dark earth. And many of my um, most creative um moments have been in dark, have been taking young people for a walk, just looking at the moon, and holding an and, and um there's many therapists that talk about the fruitfulness of the dark. So so again there there's a sense of the wider the wider sadness that we as as a West mom, well, I'm I'm i to pick on the Western world, but it's, it's our experience of where we're coming from, has divorced um our connection with nature and ravaged and used it and pillaged it without paying the due respect of of accepting its healing properties and and, and working with it. So I see um the the nature, the multiple levels of an individual that seeks darkness because They've they, they've tended to buy in to, to to this concept of separation and looking after oneself, and the ultimate fear is by connecting back, one has to give one's oneself and show one's vulnerability. So what nature does teach us is look at the trees; they grow crooked and they bend with the wind, but they're not judging and saying, "Am I looking beautiful?" It's in the eyes of the perceiver and the beholder. So in its imperfection, nature is our best teacher of taking what's in front of us and using the situation and resources to to to, to then re and rewind ourselves into a beautiful form that's still standing and holding ground. So, so I, I think this darkness component and, 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 and choosing to, to disconnect with nature is just part of the cycle of life. And, and my role as therapist is to join in the journey. It, it's again, uh, Nesh, the other, the other connection I'm making is the hero's journey. there's a time to set forth. Any, any, anybody joining us, um, Nesh, is he, he, taking a risky journey and showing vulnerability. And, and, and particularly in outdoors, it, it's, it's, it's expounded even more in terms in front of, of, of the adventure um, uh, staff that um, there's this raw um, setting out on a journey and, and there's going to be challenges. But in the darkness of the forest, or the bottom of the lake, or the highest cave in the mountain, or the gifts, We where, where time and time again I've seen... The untapped resources and potentials of the most troubled youth come out and, and stop. when we come back home to the so-called normal family or school, this this kid has changed. I never believed they had this courage and confidence, uh, and, and and I would just wink at at uh, at them and say the power of nature, the power of a new setting, and the power of a new perspective, and 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 the cycle of life again repeats itself that you come home from the journey and expedition and adventure, having found new allies and new friends to get back to your community. And it starts again. So the beauty of the, the the tree trunks having grown into beautiful branches with the fruit dropping off and then the troubled youth becoming a leader when they get to year 11 or 12 and taking under his or her mentorship. Again, the troubled youth on this expedition for me is the power and beauty of outdoor therapy is seen to mirror the beauty and power of watching nature through the four seasons.
1: You said something about respecting nature; uh, that there is almost like a relationship uh, that needs to be built there. It's not; it's not uh, just being in nature. It's it's about. One's relationship, uh, and one of those aspects is, is is respect. Can you talk me through that a, a, a little bit?
0: I think I think we take for granted that um, the space that we arrive in to do our healing and therapy um, it, 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 it is 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 one nation that I felt very strange um, in in most therapeutic settings, in compound and in psychiatric settings, where one is institutionalised. So, so when I'm, I'm being slightly judgmental, or, or maybe not even slightly, um, is that sometimes we overlook that just the setting that we're in um, with four walls and, 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 and kind of very clinical, is it, quite foreign to many of our clients, N- never alone cross-culturally, but even amongst people of similar socioeconomic status. And even as we're talking right now, I'm very cognizant that you might be in Canberra and, and myself, um, not too far down the road in Sydney there's land um, and sacred land between us and even in between myself and the screen I'm connecting with you so the very first thing that 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 a therapist and healer possibly should notice and be cognizant of is sacred space in creating the intentionality of, of which ground are we in and and the healing so my feet are very planted very firmly uh, grounded yeah and 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 i'm, I'm, I'm cognizant of the sky mother's mother earth and father sky and and the east and the west um, as a space of giving and talking and, and helping me and being relaxed with you in in in, in, in um, conversation and learning with you nash so when I am always in that space, and, and, and I'm also found quite curious, the notion of the psychologist and the healer and the doctor, and, and I just downplay the, these roles and I'm, I'm, I'm just somebody joining somebody as a friend or a mentor or, or a coach, more, more in terms of like it. So, so space also includes the preconceived notion of, um, let's, let's, let's not just go to this expert and, and be cured and fixed. It's rejoining. We all need healing, including the ground and space around us. So, so this notion is quite radical. That 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 the seeds are planted early in young people when they would see somebody like myself. That that's fairly alternative um, um, in in terms of um, psychology. But you know, Nesh, we all have to play this game where we have to have a traditional hat for certain reasons to seem. To, to appear professional and have the titles and, and use CBT and and, and, and and be effective. And there's a role for that. But it, it can be suppl- supplemented and complemented by a deeply rooted, nat- natural-based perspective that, that clients will see and feel, more importantly, feel. And I believe coming back to, to the question of respect and responsibility, um, it's to the room and place we in, the context. So we living in Cooringa land and Garigal land here yeah, in, um, in the special pocket of the North Shore of Sydney. And, and I've always been respectful in the start of my day or a conversation with you to pay my respect to the land and to the elders. And it brings to me joy because once I get into that little ritual, I can feel, thank you, go ahead. You've been respectful you do allow to have healing, take space. And then I'm empowered by these ancestral spirits to go forth and, 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 and play a role upon the, the land. And um, when people come visit, um, the, say like a retreat center that, that I've got, or a, um, or, or a session that's in nature, um, we might have time to talk about how to create a nature-based uh, setting Um, one can feel uh, it's more circular and it's more group um, and it's more shared it's a different way of of seeing your 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 disturbance and it's being respectful and you can feel that 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 the elements surrounding you um in turn feel supportive so allies and supporters and resources are, are very much not only lovely kind people but kind natural elements that surround us, including ancestral spirits and memories that um, go along with the whole notion of natural setting. And um, I I believe a lot of our troubles, um, um, pre-COVID, way back, um, have been created from disrespect of the actual value and notion of being connected to, to the land and that impacts upon our whole well-being, not only individually, but communally. And we really have to resurrect very, very um, quickly and intentionally our deep respect for Mother Earth and Gaia, and the universe. If we're going to go forth in 2021 with some sense of solidarity um, and, and therapists play a very important role in contextualizing deep respect for, for land
1: and landscape and, access, and ancestral um, spirituality. Let's let, uh, if you don't mind, I'll take your invitation to to uh, move into that, that, that conversation around setting up a, a nature-based space. Uh, I know in, in uh, uh, strategic psychology, our clinic here, I spent a fair bit of time with, um, uh, our interior designers, you know, trying to bring about, you know, an, an experience and a feel, and, and, and part of that was to uh, have plants uh, within within the space. And uh, although much advice was not to to do so because of, you know, maintenance and and, and yeah, difficulties, we uh, with. with um, Uh, uh, effectively caring for nurturing uh, and and the like it was something that I felt was a must you know we we've put curtains in in the room so that it does feel uh, comfortable and soft you know to try and move a little bit away from that clinical experience you know the the idea was at least to move a little bit closer towards a um, you know comfortable lounge type of of settings certainly not nature but uh, you know the more comfort uh, enriched that way uh, talk me through um, how you uh, set up these these environments um, you know what, what, what is it that you um, are cognizant of and, and take advantage of
0: I think the, the, the actual um, nature-based um, setting sh- should be a natural and, and personal choice and not contrived uh in, in a sense uh, because the, the thing is the teen, those of us that are brought up and worked with teenagers they they will pick up inauthenticity very quickly so 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 my job as a, as, as an adolescent therapist through the, through the many years was to was to try and outthink the adolescent mind and 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 and, and, and plant within them the the, the power of nature in, in ways that evolve from them so it's a bit of this Ericksonian um um, trick, a hypnotic trick of utilizing their language and interest. So, so your question is a very exciting part of w- w- what I've experienced um, in very fulfilling ways of true healings. Um, there's different dimensions and, and ways, um, starting from the more simpler one of entering the room and making the room um, mimic kind of nature. To, to to the one where I've been very fortunate in the many schools that uh, and principals that have allowed me to, to use the the more complete and, and fuller notions of taking them fully outdoors away from parents and technology. So so we'll play along with, with those dimensions and and any in between. So, and I'm I'm very I'm very aware uh, of, of of your listeners, Nish, that they're not always just um, going to be therapists and professionals. That there's people wear parents' hats. And students and uh, so so we we're we alluding to like uh, m- more like the question um Nish, is how can we uh, um, make our environments and spaces um more nature-friendly in ways that can facilitate m- better healings and connections between humans and and i feel like even if if we if we um as an example are having a 45 to 50 minute um, a counselling session where where you're feeling fairly depressed and just need um, some revitalising. Um, the first seed of a nature-based um, approach would be, listen, let's just meet um, at, at the fountains, or the rose garden. I'll catch you there, and and for five minutes. We'll just walk around and um, and hopefully it's not a rainy day and catch up and then we'll get we'll we'll, we'll go into my office because um, some some one of the uh, traps or things to be aware of uh, is um, people don't always want to be seen to be with a psychologist you know the stigma attached so. but that's that's broken down increasingly over over the years so like you know for the whatever it's quite cool uh, so you get over that um, so that really sets sets the stage. Or um, m- my experience is 99% of, of um, people enjoy that five minutes meeting in the outdoors. It's, it's respectful. Um, some actually don't want to go back into the white, the white wall room. So they, we can, can we can keep on walking? So um, I've always loved um, schools with, with gardens and, and sacred spaces and kind of walkways. And, and even one step further, there's some places with labyrinths where you can t- talk about the journey going through and coming back home. Um, That's more advanced, um, nature-based, um, I wouldn't say intervention, but um, uh, walkabout. So the, um, the room of plants, um, and, um, and that is, is actually a very physical one too, because um, when one points towards a, a beautiful hanging plant, it's actually giving out oxygen to us and selflessly. So and and pictures of dolphins and and and, and um and, and and triggers certain memories. So so some some very, very lovely stories, Nish, is is working with um young young people. Um, um I've I've had my own fair share of really troubled youth that didn't fit into the conforming classroom and and saw my space as 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 a nice outlet and, and walks with me as, as as a as a highlight of their days. But um, just tapping into um, the stories of kids of their, of their, um, their, their passions and their interests, um, which often psychologists um, avoid because we, we're too busy trying to find out dysfunctional thoughts or, or you know, irrational behavior or whatever, is one of the most simplest ones. When have you been happiest in nature? When have you been? What's the most curious or most awesome thing that you've seen and experienced in your life? And that simple question has elicited and an, often a nature-based memory and, and one of my most successful um, stories have been connecting with kids that were fishermen or agriculturists or permaculturists or perhaps um, somebody that's worked in a nature reserve and I uh, can see the immediate shift of emotional um, response when they talk about... Their times fishing, climbing mountains, or creating, gardening, and and, and and swimming or surfing, and just that shift alone changes the narrative from one of being embroiled in in a culture where they're not good enough and not accepted, to a that so that one time when nature accepts me and allows me to be at my best. So so the 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 setting of um, in a normal clinical room can be enhanced. By plants or nature-based pictures or sounds or herbs or kind of little stones there. So, so I used to bring into my, my room, my favorite feathers and little, you know, my dad taught us how to polish stones. And so I often have a little story about having the, you know, this this pyrite gold, which is fool's gold. So I'd say to the kids would say, you must be a rich psychologist because you've got, so I said, no, that's fool's gold. And, and And that story alone you know bring out um and kids would come there uh, session upon session um I would be the fool and 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 and, and be we'd be wanting to in, in, entertain by their vast knowledge of the different fishes in the sea and the different types of bait they use and, and the different um areas of expertise so the roles would be inverted quite rightfully so. Of of healer and heal and person to be healed. Then I had started getting the notion um, of why am I so constrained in talking about healing um, and in just these rooms when when the kid um, would have to spend the other ninety five percent of their time outside in a troubled home or in a troubled communal area. Uh, got me thinking. Well, I need to be more responsible and respectful of of not just my 30 minutes, but talking to the teachers in the school as a community, where does this kid fit in? So hence, I started asking questions about my clients. In the school, where do you fit or belong? In the sports team, in the singing, in the drama, any little pocket. I felt this is this is where the kid's trying to find their place, their sacred place. So I would walk outside the boundaries of and confines of a formal office And talk to the teachers that's connected with the skin, saying, How can we create this kid? So that's how my outdoor education began um, more formally, um, saying to schools, Well, let's take these kids to their passion, which is outdoors, and and where they can learn from each other. And hence um, the notion based upon the the medicine wheel of. taking groups away and, and having a talking stick and a sacred circle at night and different rituals and respecting the land and stopping and pausing and talking to nature um, and clearing one's negative thoughts in water. So embodying um, these teaching, which which really one is unable to do in a, in a normal therapeutic setting. But how wonderful it is... To have enlightened staff, uh, enlightened uh, in the sense of um, s- um, staff that, that also um, love being in nature, um, taking the kids out and 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 letting them camp together. And I can I can tell you, Nash, that that part of some of these outdoor um, education excursions involved a, a solo day. Now, if you think about a teenage kid that's used to being on social media for a long time and interacting with peers, they would balk at the thought of day four, doing a, we'd call it an eight hour solo, not a hot, because we'd have, that would be radical. And, um, it came to day, it came to day four, um, where the kids were told, no mobile phones, they they were banned, um, just a notebook and pen and you go and find your space. Um, and and waved to us to tell us where you are more or less. We don't have 12 teenagers missing in parental mayhem. And we'd say, you go out there at at, at nine o'clock in the morning and you come back at four o'clock in the evening and and then we'll we'll sit around the campfire in a circle and and share what we've all learned, myself and my colleagues included. I said, I found my place this morning. It's near the lake on a big rock. And off you go, and um, they begrudgingly went off. And who knows what was going through their teenage brain. But they all came back on time, very quiet, and sat around the campfire, and tears and stories, an absolute transition of identity um, that um, just flowed through from their time and learning about themselves and, and the little stories they put in their, in, their, in their journals was just so moving that they asked to have solo time for the next few days to say, please, can we at least four or five times? We've never experienced. So, so the creation of silence, I call, it, I call it the sacred S's, silence, stillness and solitude, um, those alone, So it ties in with your question earlier, when somebody seeks the dark. They just want some silence and solitude and stillness from a very rushed world where messages are conflicting. So, so, so again, the the the, the circle is completely with from your question to move from a one-on-one clinical session where there's a place and a time to to maybe regather um, the teachings, but the real teachings take place in the circle of life around the directions, and I always use this notion of. Mindfulness in four directions. Whenever you're sitting talking to someone, I'm aware that up there, there's a father paternal voice. Below me, there's a maternal earth nurturing voice. To my side, there's a rational voice. To this side, there's an emotional voice. And if if I take the, the whole circle in Gaia of the sitting, I'm being totally respectful to this person because each one of us, comes from one of these areas and corners. And the beauty of nature is, it's inclusive of all forms of diversity. And in nature, naturally, one can experience and embody that and bring it back to the four walls of a troubled home or a troubled body and say, I can do it because nature's taught me, nature's been there much longer than I will or ever will be. And that's how one can spontaneously Use nature. It'll teach you what's needed for each person on a long walk and a long journey. The gifts are in front of us. We just need to stop, listen and pause and show a to, to those that decide to join us on this walk of healing.
1: That space of silence, solitude and stillness is, uh, I think, exactly what I... Uh, connect with when I do go camping I'm, 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 I'm so excited in a couple of weeks time uh, taking my daughter out uh, just she and myself um, you know, a bit of a daddy-daughter time uh, but it's going to to uh, I, I think be you know, very special um, uh, moments and, and part of the moments is I think we'll both be connecting with nature uh, simultaneously together, you know whether we're you know collecting uh wood or looking for you know insects or you know noticing you know the the the, the fog there in the morning or the dew that's built up overnight um, uh, there there there's so many sort of aspects that are, that's exciting and there's nothing nothing to do out there um uh, which uh, in so many ways is a strange sort of thing to say. Uh, when in so many ways we 're also very active um, but, but active in a present way rather than a, in a active in a, in a mindless mindless way, But something I just want to pick up on from what what, what you said in terms of setting up a uh, uh, setting up a nature based space to me, it seems like part of what you do is that uh, by virtue of you being respectful with nature and connecting with nature, that becomes nature itself. That becomes the conduit through which young people can, can connect or at least begin to start to experience what it might look like to be connected. Uh, it's, it seems like that uh, uh, that environment of complete respect and non-judgmental uh, awareness is nature is the space that you you've embodied that and 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 part of it is actually to then go into nature and or i suppose from the place where you've learned to those or reflected in in those areas but so much of our clinical rooms could also be could could capture that if we Ourselves learn to connect, have that deeper connection with, uh, and and respect for that space, that room, um, you know, our place in the in the universe, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and and it it, it, it is magic, um, Nash, to to have that presence. I think I think the the another word for for nature is is presence, and and our, that therapeutic alliance. So so the fact that you're taking your, your young girl away is very special. Um, that in in in, in nature, um, basically it's free and there's no expectations. Um, but but she's got daddy with her. And daddy embodies protection and nurturing. So so you you embodying for your little girl uh, she might not be that little, Nish. Am I making an assumption here? No, no, she's not right. Yeah. <laughs> But I remember like not having the, the luxury of um, going to having camping gear, but my youngest girl now was, was a teacher. Um, in her twin. Our special time was to get a little tent for the backyard and pack the little teddy bears there. And, and, and uh, that would be like the moment of presence. So, so you would embody as, as, as a loving presence, those polarities within her um, of male, female, uh, dark light, certainty, uncertainty, and the, the act by just being there in the campfire is, is, is very healing and therapeutic for any young person. It's kind of like what Balby in attachment theory will say, it's the holding environment. And nature is that. Nature is the first secure base where at least we've got that. So daddy allows me to venture and go and collect the wood, and even and the, the growls or the wolves or the sounds, of the dangerous insects, whatever. Um, daddy will be there to protect me. And and again, when one is in raw nature, one has to rely on fire to get the fire started. One has to rely on wood. One has to re- rely on water to put the fire out. One has to rely on water to cook a nice cup of cocoa or coffee. One needs the earth to lie on, to feel refreshed. So in, a, in the rawness, daddy and daughter are bonding with nature as a partner, restoring not only their relationship, but their, their balance with earth. So this whole circle of giving and generosity, which is true creation, um, comes alive and adds spark and depth. So when mommy and um, when daddy and, um, and daughter return home, um, they reinvigorate and revitalize the household with their renewed Um, sense of life and awe and enchantment and so on. So the gift that we give within our our normal home um, and, and campsite are mutually reinforcing. And this is the beauty and joy of seeing nature all around because it's not only outside our walls but inside our hearts and inside our homes. And this whole thing about Feng Shui, creating the home where there's a beautiful entrance um, and and a place of nurturing and and sacred uh, space in the house. could be the kitchen, whatever. It's very important, especially in times like this. If in lockdown, one point of hope could be is bring nature into your heart and soul of the mind. Even if you you cannot get out to a bushland or parkland for the time being, your mind and imagination are so powerful that that greenery, and succulent joy and and, and beautiful smells can, can, can come into the cells of your body um, because we're all connected very deeply. And just by planting your feet, as I'm doing right now, um, on the ground, um, I can come in contact with the oak tree out there, even if there's a fence or barrier around us and receive its beauty and joy. Um, so, so I, I guess um, your question there is a very, very important one is in small ways, I've, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment and thank you, um, Nish, that you said, um, I might in self embody nature, because that's, that's the feedback I get, is the calming presence in the storm. When, um, I, I, guess I, I guess coming back to something we touched upon early, why go, why become a psychologist in a healer and, and why choose outdoor education? I think there was a calling in a very wild society of at least in my little space, being strong amidst the hurricane, in in the eye of the hurricane, somebody has to sit and be calm. And and I was called to be a mediator, to listen to all sides, to listen to white stories, to listen to black stories. So I I did embody a a deep calmness and gentleness amongst warring and violent factions. And And my solace and strength has always been drawn from ancestral lineage and the wise, elders of a society. And, and a very truism that as I'm sitting out talking to you is um, we all have that inner child of curiosity and awe that sometimes needs to be tamed. Then we have the wild adolescent and then we have the house owner and the responsible. But we've, we've forgotten in the West that there's two very, very important stages of healing we can give back to societies. That of the wise man and woman and also the forest dweller that's steeped in the old religions And maybe it's a stage that I've evolved towards, but I believe I embody the wisdom of the years um, and help the young world and the young people know that there's always hope and healing in a society that's often fragmented and torn apart. And if you can sit in silence, without judgment and radical acceptance, and contain. So the container is an important word coming from Winnicott and Bowlby. Contain their hurt. The Buddhist notion of breathing in suffering and giving out compassion is essential to the work we do. So I believe that if one has to put a therapeutic label, it would be mindful, acceptance, and compassion. The three big s- streams that I work with when everybody walks in, the the awareness mindful component, which which is also Buddhist, the compassion uh, Christian component and the accepting nature component. If we can draw upon those three important rays of sunlight, in any situation, we will embody true healing and find, help people find their true natures.
1: You mentioned in our communication, in leading up to to our conversation, our our, our cup of tea together, um, that you're developing retreats, uh, you know, on bushland where therapy is, you know, integrated or, or formalised somewhat. Um, can you talk us a little bit through what what, what you have in mind, um, and and when you think some of that might might um, uh, come into bloom.
0: Well, this is this is the exciting thing when one is open to 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 new things and not constrained by having to do a normal nine to five o'clock job in 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 um, in, in one's working life. So when one evolves to another stage where one has more freedom to tackle or one's m- more adolescent uh, childhood passions, um, these these opportunities do come up and they spring in front of you. And um, I've got some, um, some very good friends up uh, the coast uh, in Newcastle, and, and specifically one very good friend that has a beautiful land. Uh, and her name is Monique, and she, she runs a group called Samsara Tribe and Gathering Circles. And, and um, I just happened to meet up with her um, again, Nature's Calling, to, to like Mount Spirit's meeting. And we found the sacred land uh, in Raymond Terrace, which has got a dam and beautiful trees and, and, and set in nature with the you know, peacocks and, and the wallabies tumbling in. And, um, and I felt this is an opportunity to, to actually use the land therapeutically. And, um, and it all came together, Nash. this notion of um, um, just standing there, being in awe. And my childhood was relived in the moment I first saw the land. I saw this beautiful lake with a cabin uh, with a little boat on it and beautiful trees. And I started shaking. And uh, I said to Monique, why don't we just walk the land um, mindfully and see what the land gives. And um, the land um, was 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 talking back to us about certain parts of the land where are more feminine and which are more masculine, and the middle of the land was more integrated, and the and the, the lake happened to be in the middle. So, it it was um, again how nature works in very special ways. That the land said, "Use us for walks and mindful retreats and healing and deep healing." And we did um, always respect the Warami people of the land first and foremost, who gave us these symbols. So, as we walked the land. Symbols jumped out, Nesh, from the land that were based on archetypal. So this is the Jungian influence. Carl Jung said, this is one of his lesser-known quotes. Carl Jung said, you only need three things to really become a good healer. You don't need books, but you do need one set of books. It's called um, the Greek and Roman mythology books. You need the book of nature. And then, of course, you also need your self, your higher self. Um, And he said, you know, if you can weave Greek symbols and Greek myths into nature um, and then ultimately yourself and your body, you will be transcendent and individuated. So um, you'll probably anticipate that a lot of my work is Jungian in terms of more like involvement. Uh, So part of my childhood was lapping up. Greek and Roman mythology. I would be seeing the, these stories everywhere. Um, and coming to Australia, there were many African myths. They're very similar, very similar creation stories from the Bushmen and Kosa tribes to the Aboriginal people and the Native American. So the, um, the retreats were very exciting and a natural environment, where um, we, we'd sit and take people and groups walking the land and, and see what symbols they feel and which trees they' drawn towards or whether it be water and there'd be a fire going um, and walk around and, and people will find their space um, on land and and then we join around the campfire and and just that, didn't have to create anything other than the imagination. Like one doesn't have to put a sword or a rose or whatever other symbol or a cave people from whatever childhood memories or psychological space, they in, they've in, they got their own symbols like a like Mandela. Um, so, so for instance, um, when I used to, to do my university exams, I would have a, um, a blue a sapphire diamond, not real one cause you know, they've been stolen from me back in Johannesburg in my pocket. And it, it gave me it gave me mental strength. So like again, it was this this whole um shamanistic um use of, of symbols and archetypes and myths. So so the retreat land um uh is is just a wonderful direct embodiment of true healing. And then um we've we've drawn up oracle cards, so we call it the Oracle of Harmony. We've drawn up um oracle cards that correspond to the 22 walks around. So this is the miracle. We decided to walk around without any preconceived notions about the symbols or the number, whatever, and just free-floated walk in the wilderness, our own little solar. And we joined back in the cabin, and lo and behold, we had 22 symbols each, unbeknownst to each other. This is what soulmates and connection does and respect for the land. And that happened to be the tree of life from the Kabbalistic and Jewish origins that tied in with the 22 major Al- of the tarot. And 22 symbols also envisaged the sacred feminine, the sacred masculine, and the harmonizing of, of, the, of the, the land was teaching us. So the land in front of us was teaching us how to use the symbols and archetypes in our own specific journeys. And it's been a wonderful journey, Nesh. Unintended but life is full of surprises when it opens up to the beauty and respect for the land. So we've developed an Oracle of Harmony where people can come in and, and be in touch with these wonderful archetypes of, anxious, of the ancient times and use the healing um, in ways that are very specific for them. But one can also then use it through, through modern technology like we are doing now through readings, um, through Zoom, or whatever. And, and again, it, it, it comes back again to the circle of, it's not necessarily the cave or the water, the fire. It's the, it's our relation um, that we're giving to each other and respect that allows that particular symbol to give you at that point in time um, the healing powers that, that are needed. But one needs to be respectful of this ancient wisdom, that you've been allowed as a gift to embody and treat it with responsibility. So one has to plant um, boundaries and and ground rules in coming to sacred land, that we talk respectfully to each other, that we embrace silence and solidarity, um, that invulnerability, we hold each other. And those are all notions that themselves are true healing. But the land just... Planting our feet on this holy land, which has been blessed with the, the Aboriginal people, um, gives us so much more healing um, because it's the first healing. It's the first layer that we've forgotten about. We need to, we need to dig away all the dirt to see the diamonds underneath the ground. And um, these little walks around and retreats, we found miraculous healings. Um, and we don't need to even call ourselves psychologists. We're just guides, taking people through, holding them by hand. Um, and and the beautiful stories being shared around, um, I'm sure when you go with your daughter, um, you know, she and when it when it's really quiet and, and silent, she's going to tell you some wonderful stories, um, which are to be really, um, you know, embraced and um, and put into your cardboard of memories for that time when she was six year old and went on camp with daddy, uh, because nature wants you to do that. It's calling you. Uh, to show your vulnerabilities and humanness. Because when you're out there, um, there's coming back to my days in Africa, nobody looked at me when I joined in the, with, with, with my fellow black mining friends. Um, I was unconditionally accepted and loved. Um, and, and, and we joined in Ubuntu. Um, I knew that feeling that came down my spine, that this, this is the way we were meant to be. We've broken that knot of thread connection uh, by being superior and judgmental and judging and and better than thou. And no better time than now for us to tear those walls of illusions down and embrace common humanity. So when you're lying in nature on the ground watching the stars, we're all the same, man, woman, young, old. There's no boundaries. And the whispers of nature will say so be it. We are all healed. We were never, ever unhealed. We were always connected. You have planted disconnection, not me. And then we put ourselves to sleep and we go into that dream time and realize all the time that we were just dreaming. And when we wake up, we just need to remember that we were connected. And that's all that a good healer or a parent or a therapist does is just remember that beautiful garden of paradise that we we're sitting there in that womb of beautiful nurturing motherhood, it will never ever be disturbed because your true nature is connection and you belong to one and all. Never forget that.
1: I feel so much of that appreciation that you just spoke about. Um, I'm in actual fact feel uh, quite overwhelmed with emotion. Uh, I think that that that's that space that you're you're talking about of deeper connectedness, and and um, especially when you're talking about you know the, the moment to come camping with my daughter. And putting those those uh, uh, moments I, I I regularly talk with with, with friends about. Uh, Creating moments is 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 you know part of part of my my um, maybe my natural journey. What 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 I want to achieve, you know, make make, make making moments, and uh, uh, you 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 just you know through your words, uh, I like the word that you use as a guide. You just guided me uh, to remembering that and 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 reinforcing and making that. Uh, even more special and i'll certainly remember remember this conversation in a couple of weeks um, and really embrace uh, that opportunity to 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 connect as well um, wow well, I, I, I could talk to you for uh, uh usually i I would say to to, to someone when when uh, uh, there's a very interesting conversation i could I could talk for hours but uh I think I could talk for 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 uh, decades. Um, you, know, you you truly, uh, I, I would say, embody that 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 space of uh, you know being wise and 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 if I can say with with, with uh, the utmost respect, an, an elder um, in in the way that you think and and uh, um, weave uh, stories and and, and, and and create connectedness through through your language um, to 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 sender i think a much more powerful story or, or, or beginner conversation um I, I know for for myself um this conversation conversation has been very powerful and i'm sure the listeners uh, are, are feeling much the same um i'm going to put in a put in a little sneaky uh, here at the end of our our chat um uh, another invitation to, to to get you back at some stage i would love to uh have you back and, and, and uh, continue on with this conversation, uh, because I think uh, uh, you know these are the, the the stories and the understandings, particularly around you know, this call to nature, which I think is more important than ever in in, in our modern world um, and, and and I think uh, as a species, we need to to think more deeply about uh, bringing those two worlds. Uh, together again, rather than that fractured space of, of uh, you know, modernity and and, and, and nature, but you know, making them one um, rather than separate. So um, maybe that's something we can discuss at another
0: time. I, I, I really much look forward to that. I think, you know, the cycle has now come enough time to rest and be respectful, but I've really been appreciative of us connecting up I think it's, for me, it's been just a wonderful opportunity to talk my passion, but you, you've been a wonderful host uh, in a sense of um, being a holding environment for me and allowing me the space. And, 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 uh, and, uh, and I am deeply respectful of the um, opportunity to, to talk um, from this space and wish um, you and your daughter and your family, but also your wider, better-thinking community, well... Um, and I send you, and continually send you the, the joys and energies of the healing powers of nature because they are free to give and we are just conduits of this joyful power and presence. And um, I, I've, I conclude by giving you an Ubuntu blessing um, and saying that um, one thing that we've really done badly in the Western world is we've built up labels of different businesses on a daily basis. I'm taller than you, I'm stronger than you, I'm better skinned than you, I'm wearing I'm more money than you, and at um, essence, no. We are wonderful human beings joining in this wonderful world together, and we will make it a better place, because we are in this together, and we are one. Never forget that and enjoy the ecstasy of the journey. Um, so I will, with pleasure, be a servant and conduit to you and your, and your audience whenever you feel the time is right. And, and thank you very much for this time. It's been totally, I don't know how much time has gone by, but it certainly has been one of those things of nature is time flies by when you're having fun
1: certainly does certainly does thank you very much steve and uh ladies and gentlemen there you have it steve so let's see uh, incredible incredible wise and uh, uh, uh insightful you know human being and uh, uh i hope you've enjoyed enjoyed today's show i certainly have thank you if you enjoyed this podcast please support it by going to itunes and putting a review subscribe Share it via social media and tell others about it. Start a conversation. It's listeners like you that make this able and possible, and why we bring in these guests to go out and share their knowledge and resources. And just lastly, if you are a psychologist and you want to go out and be part of a bigger team, develop your experience, and get into some exciting work, come to strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers and reach out. I'd love to hear from you.